everyone. My name is William Porter. Welcome to this edition of Storytelling Time. This podcast is sponsored by Every Dot Black, Entrepreneur's Podcasting Network. We have with us today Mr. Rufus Stevens, a local entrepreneur here in the Raleigh, North Carolina area. Welcome to the show today, Rufus. Thank you, William. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'd like our listeners to know that we're members of a professional writers group here in Raleigh. Uh, And Rufus, we'll get to your thoughts on being a writer in just a minute. But before we get to that and what you do as a profession, I'd like for you to tell everyone about your personal background. Okay, well, I am uh, a Southerner just recently returning to the South. When I was my, I'm, I was born and raised in Savannah, Georgia, and uh, looking for work, I went north as so many of us do, and I ended up right outside of or oh, in Chicago, and I worked up there for many many years, and moved back to Savannah for after about eleven years, and recognized that old adage is true: you can't go home again, and because I had changed and it had changed, and so I moved back to Chicago area and stayed up there until uh, about four years ago. And uh, I was in the food industry working for Kraft Foods and others and uh, school nutrition and that kind of thing. And then sometime around, um, or it must have been the, the early 2000, I started speaking. And uh, I had written to somebody who I admired a lot, uh, a man named Zig Ziglar, and told him that I wanted to I wanted to be a speaker. He wrote me back a long letter, which I, I just recently found it, and he gave me some things I need to I needed to do. And he also talked to me about my mindset, and I took him up on it, and I started doing it. I started speaking. I joined Toastmasters, and I started contesting, and I won the uh, the humorous speech contest for all of Chicago in 1994, and um, and just and I just kind of set the wheels in motion, and I I would focus. I always knew I wanted to speak, but I had to put food on the table and roof overhead, and so that kind of thing. So sometime when I retired from that job from the industry, food industry, in 2014, and in May of 2015, launched my speaking business called Raising the Roof Communication, and I started speaking then, and. Um, um, I had a, had a sense that I was right exactly where I was supposed to be in life. And it has it responded well. And then four years ago, my wife and I just was a bit of an epiphany that we needed to move. Uh, we packed up in Illinois, had just bought it, built a house, had lived there about a year, sold it in eight days and moved to North Carolina. And it was the best move we've ever made because... Um, so many great things have happened since we've got here, not the least of, least of which is that my speaking business took off, and uh, and I started writing, and we'll get into that in a little bit, but that's a little bit about my background. Well, you mentioned Toastmasters and you getting started as a speaker there. 
in 2015, and it's kind of interesting, that's when I started as an author in 2015. I published my oh, first really? book okay. in 2015, and so I guess the rest is history, as they say. But oh, yeah. listen, I heard you give a speech a few years ago. Uh, I don't know whether you rem remember it or not, but it was at the Haytai Heritage Center in Durham. And it oh, was absolutely. A, it was a that. great talk. Thank and you, you know, the funny thing is, is that it reminded me of the name of your business, and that is Raising mm -hmm. the Roof Communications. Mm -hmm. uh, the way you uh, engaged the audience that day, it was really mm -hmm. something special. Thank um, you. And, and by the way, uh, let me say to our listeners that Mr. Stevens has won numerous uh, awards uh, for his presentations, uh, but I'll let him tell you what he does. So, Rufus, tell our listening audience about your profession. Well, you know, I have, uh, there is, there's just something very special I feel when I'm speaking. You know, you hear Michael Jordan talking about being in the zone, and it, it, it's just, it's almost hard to define except that you know when you're there. And that, I, I love being on stage and we're talking to other speakers. It's a real weird bunch because we love what most people are terrified of doing. And I love picking a crowd from somebody who's not sure they even want to be in the room, who doesn't want to let you go when you get to the end and say thank you and good night. Um, and that transformation is wonderful. I love, I, I'm a storyteller. I love telling stories that support some kind of point I'm, I'm, I'm making. And so I started communicating with people. And a lot of times you have to, when you're starting out, you have to give away uh, free speeches, you know, to, to become known and let people know that you bring something of value to the stage. And that's what I did. And then after a while, that transitioned to the point where people were ready to write a check. And uh, I, I wish I had started this, oh, I don't know, 25 years ago. But I, I thought about that, and had I started it 25 years ago, I would not have been ready. Life had to treat me certain ways so that I could speak authentically when I came to the stage. And uh, and that's pretty much what, what I am. I, I craft speeches. People ask me to speak on subjects. I have a keynote, a, a signature keynote that's called Now What? that challenges people to embrace change. And then sometimes people want me to speak on uh, other subjects, and I will craft a message that speak to their objectives, and, and I'll deliver in that kind of format. And here most recently, now we've shifted because nobody's talking to audience in this COVID-19 era. I'm doing virtual speaking. We were speaking in a studio and speaking through Zoom, uh, Zoom or uh, WebEx uh, and just not letting COVID COVID-19 defeat us. We just, we do what we do, but we just shift how we do it. So that's, that's kind of where we are at in the speaking business for me. Well, you mentioned virtual speaking, and I'll ask you about that a little bit more in detail a little later, but you mentioned you lo your love for being on stage, and obviously in 2015, uh, you took the opportunity to become affiliated with Toastmasters. And I read a quote once that said, success is when preparation meets opportunity. As an entrepreneur, tell us how important it is to take advantage of opportunities when they might cross your path to create you know, sustained business su success. 
Well, you know, William, I think that that quote is absolutely true. Um, because, I mean, a lot of people are chasing for, um, after speaking opportunities. And I heard a guy say one that his name is, I think, Mark uh, Lindquist. And he said one thing. He said, you can do all these things. You can get a website. You can do all these whistle and bells kind of thing. He said, but the best thing you can do for your speaking business is to be ready for the stage, is to get yourself ready. And so I, I used to spend a lot of time in marketing, man, and I've done some, and I still do some of that. But I spend more of my time getting ready for the stage, that preparedness you just talked about. So the, and, and it, this, that kind of thing happened on one of my first speak, speeches since I moved here. I had uh, posted up a website and working on my preparations and all that kind of stuff. And then I got an email message from somebody in, uh, in Florida saying, hey, listen, we want you to speak to our organization. We've just, we've just seen you. We've been to your web page. And... When I got there, I was ready, and it, it was it was a it was a great day and that kind of thing. So, um, it argues for all the we're, we're in a technological kind of era, and I see a lot of people spending money on whistles and bells and all the digital things, and uh, uh, their, their time in, in many cases would be better spent getting ready for the to, to the day of preparation, or not preparation, but presentation. Because that's what you'll get paid for, and that's what you'll get judged on. Well, opportunity certainly is one thing that's very important to not only get started in speaking or any other business venture, but also to sustain that business uh, as you go on. Uh, but you mentioned uh, being ready for the stage, and another important uh point that I think that we all should consider as far as being uh, successful as a public speaker or any other business venture, and that is preparation. So uh, how p important is it to prepare? And you just touched on it, but actually that was one of my, one of the factors, <laughs> or one of the things I was going to mention, and that is preparation as far as being a factor or being something that you should uh uh, have uh, if you want to be successful in, in public speaking. So what do you think about well, that? I, well, I, I think preparation is critical. And, and you prepare by, um, obviously, you, you've got you to consider what your message is going to be, what, wh what message you want to get over to this audience. And um, you, you have to craft it. You have to craft it. You have to speak before people and, and have thick enough skin to, to take the critique when they say, you know what, that may sound good to you, but that doesn't fly. And, and I have, I've had people tell me, Rufus, I know you like that word, but you're probably only one of three people in, in the universe that knows what it means, so get rid of it. <laughs> and so, you know, that's part of the preparation because, you know, we fall, we, we fall in love with our own ideas. We, we staying there, it's 9 or 10 o'clock at night, and we're writing like crazy, all oh, this is good stuff. And, and part of our preparation, we go, and that's why Toastmasters and groups like this are so critically important. I, I'm a member of mastermind speaking group, groups, and those are groups, groups that are either advanced Toastmasters groups or groups that are uh, beyond the ums and ahs of Toastmasters and really get into the, the nuances of public speaking. That's part of the preparation. Uh, one of the things I didn't mention, too, in terms of opportunity, one of the things that uh, as it ties into preparation, 
is that you've got to put yourself um, in a place where there are people doing what you want to do. And so, in, in effect, you have to, you, you make your own opportunity. That's what I did, did when I came here. Before I moved to North Carolina, I knew what Toastmasters group I was going to join, and I joined it. And I met people, and from those meetings, those people all all helped me with my preparation, but they also helped me with my opportunity. I would get a phone call because one of them had recommended me for, for some opportunity that came up. So um, meeting people like Toastmasters and like you too, William, that are in the business, and when people think that you have somebody of quality and somebody's looking for somebody, they say, well, why don't you try Rufus? So um, back to your original point, and your point was the issue of preparation, critically important. I mean, get before people, take the hard knock, and, you know, sharpen the dull points and, 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 and you know, round off the two sharp points until you become somebody who is, um, who can be received well. And, uh, you know, get to the point of, I, I, there's something in here, I think it's from my mama, that, that there's a funny piece that's in me that I don't have to work hard on and people laugh. So, but there's some people who have to really work on the funny. And, 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 and humor is an essential part of public speaking. And so that's another reason to get with people who, who tell you that this thing is not as funny as you think it was. Or listen, you said something funny and didn't realize it was funny. Um, all that's part of preparation. And, I, you know, it's, it sounds like a whole lot of heavy lifting and to, to, to one degree or another. It is. But if you're going to go before people who are going to write you a check, then you better be worthy of the check. And I think one thing that you're suggesting is that one reason why people don't do that is because they're afraid of being criticized and you have to move forward. And we're going to talk about faith a little bit later, but you have Mm -hmm. to move forward sometimes being afraid. Of course, as you indicate, you have to prepare. Uh, But in addition to that, uh, it requires a certain degree of confidence. So what do you say about uh, being confident as even another factor that is important in contributing to being successful as a uh, public speaker? I, I think it's important. I mean, it, it, it's like a surgeon or, a, or, or um, the pilot of your plane. You don't want you don't want anybody timid, <laughs> and you, you you want somebody that's confident. But confidence comes from um, an appreciation that you've got the goods, that you've done the heavy lifting, and you come to the speaking moment fully capable of doing that. Now, ask me if I don't have butterflies every time I speak. Yeah, I I do, and I'm glad. I hope I never don't have (laughs) butterflies, because then I become arrogant. But I heard a guy say 20 years ago, he said, I always have butterflies, but they're flying in formation. And I love that, because um, you... If, if if you're going to operate, and I have a friend right now who speaks too 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 softly, and we've talked about that, and he, and he said he finally said, Rufus, I hear what you're talking about, because people read that as unsure, and so my mouth may say something that's profound, but they're listening and say he doesn't believe it because nothing about him is confident. So confidence is critically important, but you get confidence when you know what you're doing. Well, that's true. Uh, knowledge, if you know, as you just indicated, uh, know what you're talking about, then it's much easier. And I believe that 
feeds confidence. Uh, it does. Yeah. It really does. Great. Well, there are other factors, I'm sure, and we touched on opportunity, uh, preparation, uh, confidence, and are there any other uh, are there any other uh, factors that uh, I may have missed that are important? And I'm sure there are some other things that are critical as far as being a successful uh, public speaker. Uh, I think I think one thing that's um, uh, important. I don't think I, I spoke um, enough about it, and that's networking. I, I've met some incredible people, and, and that means getting up going to places, and even though I seem outgoing, I'm really uncomfortable um, meeting people from the outside, much better than I used to be. But you have to get past that inconvenience and, and walk into a room. There's so many networking opportunities around the triangle, you can't shake a stick at them. And, and, and I mean, the wonderful thing about networking is that you're not trying to get anything from anybody. I Listen, uh, again, that's, that plays back to your confidence. I'm Rufus Stevens, and, and uh, William Porter, you probably ought to meet me. So how, how are you doing? That's the end of it. I, William, I don't want anything from you. I don't want me to, you to put me in the will or anything like that. I'm just a, a guy who's shaking your hand. is a nice guy. And, and it's amazing how simple connections like that take you to a place you could have never imagined. So I, I, I speak real highly. I have a friend, and you, she's a friend of yours too, William. Her name is uh, Wendy Gates Corbett. Yes, I and know she is probably one of the best networkers I've ever met in my life. She knows everybody, and knowing is not enough. She has impacted them that they love her, and so that's been my thing. I want I want people not just wrote no Rufus, but really care about Rufus as, as, a, as a person. So I think that's critically important to building a speaking career is networking. Well, Rufus, I'm sure that there are still even other things that we could mention, but we really need to go on. And okay. at this point, uh, I believe that uh, people listening should really be taking notes or at least retaining in some way some of the information that you're talking about or everything that you're okay. talking about, especially if okay. they desire to be uh, a public speaker or even an entrepreneur, a successful right. person in business. So, but anyway, we're going to go ahead and take a break, and uh, we'll be right back. Stay with us. Yeah. Welcome back. We're here with Rufus Stevens, a noted public speaker. I mentioned that I saw you at the Haytai Heritage Center in Durham a few years ago, uh, and and you also you mentioned virtual speeches that are more common, obviously these days because of the pandemic. Uh, how has the pandemic, as a matter of fact, affected your business uh, as far as being a public speaker? Well, it's 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 affected everybody's business. In fact, I the. In March, when when the word came down across the country that you know uh, public venues were being shut down and stadiums and convention centers and banquet halls and things like that were being shut down, that effectively canceled the contracts of thousands of people. And I had a couple of contracts in in, uh, in April and May, and they were immediately canceled. 
and uh, but one has circled back, and so people. Uh, speaker says, okay, this is the lay of the land. Everybody stopped and took a breath for a minute and says, okay, so look, um, we still have great content. The question is, you'll never be sitting before four or five hundred people uh, in person, so how do we deliver our content? And we got to the point of virtual presentations, which in effect are, it's a studio, and the studio is set up um, it's aesthetically, it's very nice, and you deliver your content. And it's one of the things that's changed for some, not all, some people want uh, shorter deliveries because now it's WebEx and it's Zoom rather than a person-to-person kind of situation. Some people want, I have one that's uh, in a week, week and a half for a group in Georgia, and uh, they want the full thing. They want the full 50-minute 50, 50 presentation, and then they want a Q&A afterwards. And so that's the new reality right now. And, and I, one of us, those of us who are on the stage that love it, long for a day that we get people back. And I think maybe by the end of 21, we, we may be edging back that way. But right now it's all virtual. It's a studio. In some cases, let's say that you were hiring me uh, for an organization you have, William. And so maybe I, I, um, I record that in digital fashion and I simply give you the file and you play it when you want to. And that's what a lot of people do. Yeah. That's the, that's the new reality right now. And, um, uh, it is what it is. And so we, you know, we're ends oriented and the, 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 the goal is to deliver solid content. And so, uh, the, the, the tweak is how you do it. But you know, Rufus, adaptation is the key because you, I'm sure that you did uh, speeches all over the country uh, mm-hmm. before this pandemic, and right. now having to uh, resort to virtual presentations via Zoom is a great change, and so it requires a lot of uh, adaptation, mentally and physically even, because uh, I'm sure you don't have to travel a lot of places, and so at least you're saving a lot of money in that sense. <laughs> I don't know how much you're still flying, but... But anyway, there are advantages. <laughs> yeah, they are, and there are none. I, I think probably the biggest one is, is um, especially if you're speaking to a file. You're just you're speaking and you're recording it, and you're not even on Zoom or WebEx. You're just speaking to a file, and they will record that and give that to your client, and they will play it whenever they want to. And that was totally devoid of anybody. There's no people. There's no Zoom, where you see faces on a square responding, and I guess none of that. And so that's a little challenging, but it's what you do. You know, it's uh, somebody said necessity is the mother of invention, and that's that's where we are. Yeah. As I said earlier, both of us belong to a writers group here in Raleigh. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in addition to your public speaking, uh, you're a professional writer. And one question yes. that I have is, how often do you write, and what are your goals? in writing uh do you aspire to and i was going to ask you this because you may have a publication already on the new york times bestseller list but, <laughs> but is that is that one of a goal of yours as a writer well you know what it's uh, writing and you know this better than anybody william it's, it's communicating thought and, and and it's a different way of communicating thought. And as a speaker, that thought is communicated on stage. As a writer, it's it's reduced to words, and 
and, and picture painting and that kind of thing. I started writing the first book to support my speaking business. And after just a short while, it owned me. I released a book in March of this year. It's called Life Lessons from Miss Maddie. And this is a story about my mother, who was a single parent of five kids um, in the Deep South. She taught school all over Georgia. And about the lessons she taught us and the challenges she's faced, because she still loved my father, but he wasn't with us. And, um, and, and, and so these five kids turn out pretty good. One was the former chair of the music department at the University of Connecticut. Another one is a congressman in Georgia. Another one was a huge administrator. Another one would work for Ma Bell. And then there was me, who was a business owner and preacher and, and corporate executive. And that wasn't supposed to happen in our family. So I, that's what the book is about. But after I got finished it and people were saying, hey, boy, really, I really love that book. And it's a short read. It's a, then I got the bug to keep writing because I'm working on a book now with my daughter, who is an administrator, educational administrator in Fort Worth, Texas. So we're working on another book right now, which we expect to be released in February, March of next week, uh, next week, next year. But, William, I'll tell you, somewhere in the background, there is, I, I feel it bubbling around in me. I think there's a, there's a, uh, uh, a book of fiction um, that's out there because I love drama. And I love all that stuff. I love plot twists and all that kind of stuff. And so I think there's another book like that in me somewhere. Rufus, I'd like to know, what advice would you give someone who aspired to become an author? Um, I would, my, my first word, um, William, would be commitment. Uh, decide that uh, this thing is going to happen, however long it takes, that you're going to stay with it, uh, because there will be times when you you kind of hit a brick wall in terms of thought and that kind of thing. And there will be other times that will, ideas will feed on ideas and you can't type fast enough because they're really coming. And so if you, if you, I have a friend that said, hey, listen, make it easy on yourself. Dedicate at least 30 minutes. And, and, and if you can do 30 minutes, just do 30 minutes. To, and he understands that if you can do 30 minutes, what will happen is that, it's hard to stop. If you get going, okay, and you start writing, it's hard to stop at 30 minutes. And, um, and it took, oh, it took, yeah, well, I don't want, I don't want to belabor the point, but, um, commitment has to be number one. And then decide that, be clear about what it is you want to write about. If, if it's, if it's fiction, I would say, Begin with the end in mind. Think about where you want this book to, to go, and then you can, you can, your writing will establish the roads that it took to get to where it is you want to go. If it's um, like my book, my book was a book of, of uh, a bit of a biography about my mother, um, and it was just facts that I knew about her, and and we added the, the funny factor and the principles and the things she taught us, and so. Uh, and, and my biggest thing was remembering everything. Uh, but I committed myself that this book will be finished. I told my editor, 
I will have it to you by a certain time, and I committed to that. So that's critically important. But, you know, we mentioned some things earlier about uh, factors being important in public speaking. We mentioned opportunity. We mentioned preparation uh, and a couple of other things. And I would assume that these things would be important in writing as well. Absolutely. It's, it's interesting how you, the whole networking, meeting people, uh, critically important. I'm, I'm, I'm saying right now that everything in life, you know, this is meeting folks and, and how uh, opportunity shows up as a result of that. Um, this whole thing of preparation, that's, that's a function of networking with people who help you with thought. I have an editor, and she's a great, I don't have to tell you, William, she's a wonderful editor, her name is Lee Heinrich. Mm-hmm. And um, bouncing things off, off of her as part of my preparation and getting things done was critically important. Um, so, you know, writing a book may seem like it's, it's a lonely prospect, but it, in truth, it really isn't. If you really want to, to have the best book you can, you can do, it will involve input of other people and insight and people reading your stuff and giving you uh, honest critique. Okay, well, let's go ahead and take another break, and uh, when we okay. come back, we'll close the show. Welcome back. We're here with Mr. Rufus Stevens. Uh, Let me ask you, do you have any speaking engagements coming up that some of our listeners might consider taking advantage of? And of course, uh, I guess we're talking about Zoom presentations. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, there is is one, but it's not open to the public. It's it's the Georgia Association of School Nutrition. And um, and that's a closed organization. I will be presenting for them uh, in a uh, virtual format uh, on October 6th. Um, but I, I suspect that as we go forward and things start to ease up, even with the even in the virtual format, uh, the some of the things will be available. I will be posting those on either my web page or either on Facebook, uh, my Facebook business page, so people will be aware when there's something open to the public that they can they can access that uh, it'll be available to them. Well, speaking of that, uh, I was going to ask you about your contact information, so you can go ahead and give the people that. <laughs> okay. The, um, the, uh, you can reach me. Um, uh, the name of the company is Raising the Roof Communications, and uh, you can reach me at Raising the Roof uh, and that's R A I S I N, no G, <laughs> raising the roof. Roof is R U F E at gmail.com. Okay. Or you can, um, you can contact me by my webpage, and that is simply um, raising the roof uh, com. Spelled the same way. Okay. Great. Great. Well, thank you, Rufus, for being with us today, and I'd like to thank you, William. tell our listening audience you're going to be back with us next week. And 
as I suggested earlier, you're going to talk about your faith. You are the ordained minister, and we're going to talk about some exciting things that are happening in the world today. At least I don't know how exciting they are, but they're happening nonetheless. So that's true. We're gonna we're yeah. gonna we're gonna talk about that. Well, that's all for today. Thank you so much, great, Thank you so great, much, Wade. Great. Uh, in closing, I just want to say that whatever you may be going through, whether it's good or bad, just keep in mind that there's always more, more good things coming your way. We'll see you the next time. Suffering with a speech impediment, labeled mentally retarded, and held back in the first grade, Dr. Joe L. Dudley Sr. defied all the odds and became one of the most influential health and beauty industry icons the world has ever seen. Be motivated, encouraged, and inspired as you listen to how one man turned his struggles into strategies and his shortcomings into success. Listen to his legacy at www.patreon.com slash Joe Dudley Sr. That's www.patreon.com slash Joe Dudley Sr. The Dr. Joe L. Dudley Sr. Legacy Project is sponsored by Every.Black. No.net and No.com. Just Every.Black. Black is the new.com. We as a people have had to overcome slavery and secondly obtain our civil rights. But the third piece is economic equality. And I'm convinced that we can only achieve economic equality through entrepreneurship with the use of technology. My name is Jimmy Davies, and that is why I created the Every.Black website for entrepreneurs. So visit us today at www.every.black, E-V-E-R-Y dot B-L-A-C-K. Learn about entrepreneurship and be on your way to financial freedom. Just go to every.black, E-V-E-R-Y dot B-L-A-C-K. No.com, no.net. Just every.black. .black is the new.com. We can help you um, develop some tools and strategies to communicate with your faculty members. I think part of my role is, and it's what I needed when I was starting out in college, because I didn't know nothing. I think early action is very valuable for students who are pretty sure about a school, but maybe there are some questions that they have, particularly around financial aid. Just like uh, if you were going on a road trip with your family, you'd have some preparation to do. We're talking about students, sure, but let's not pretend like even as an adult, it's mm -hmm. hard. Mm -hmm. It is hard Absolutely. to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. asking for help. Hey, hey, Dr. Holliver, great to hey. see you. You too. I'm so excited for you to tell us the ins and the outs all about standardized testing. There is no one size fits all. There mm. is no take the SAT on this date, at this time, at, in this semester. Thank you for joining us today on Educate You. If you wish, you can send me your questions or comments about the college going process or the podcast content by sending an email to Dr. Greta at GretaOliverConsulting.com.